Hello and welcome to another episode of Bella Lugosi's Undead. I'm AJ. And I'm Spooky Ryan. And you're actually going to hear us talk about stuff from the past. We wanted to go <laughs> ahead and jump on because the night before we released the episode on Halloween Horror Nights 31 as well as Satan's Slave, Universal Orlando had a little treat for us. They went ahead and dropped six houses, five scare zones, two shows, all in one day. So even though when we recorded, we're like, there's no way that this will be out of date. It turns out the whole <laughs> bit of it was out of date pretty quickly. Uh, we're, we're, still gonna, <laughs> we're still going to leave a lot of that discussion in uh, because, mm-hmm. frankly, we were dead on the money for most of it. We didn't have some specifics. Let's go ahead and start with things that you will not hear us talk about at all. That's going to be the scare zones. We did not address them in the last bit. So first, there are going to be five scare zones. Horrors of Halloween, Scarecrow Cursed Soil, Sweet Revenge, Graveyard Deadly Unrest, and Conjure the Dark. Of these five, which one immediately jumped out to you, Ryan? Uh, obviously, the Horrors of Halloween sounds really, really cool. Just because the... Did, did they make the Pumpkin Lord an icon finally? Or? Yeah, they're making the Pumpkin Lord an icon. Nice. Honestly... So that's I, super... It's really quick. It's a really quick turnaround on that because he was not a character until HHN 30. I guess the benefit they probably had was they had two years to sit there and wait with him before they (laughs) released the house because I assume (laughs) he was supposed to be part of HHN 30 in 2020, but then HHN was canceled. That's right. That's right. So then they had a whole year before they actually got to use him. And by that time, they were excited Mm. to go ahead and drop him into the fold. Yeah, I mean, that one stands out. But the one that sounds like the most interesting, that I'm most interested to see what it looks like, is going to be Sweet Revenge. Because that sounds like Halloween 3, like, as a movie. Like, as a scare zone, right? (laughs) So I've already seen a bunch of the actual set up because it's out and about okay. in the New yeah. York area of... Okay, New York. Yes, it's going to be in the New York area. And okay. it is... The, the scares that it reminds me most of is HHN 25, how sure. the inmates of the asylum broke out. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it reminds me of a lot. Is okay. It's very much like a small town feel. There's like a judging booth and there's like a tractor that's been wrecked. And so that that's the coolest thing to me is that it feels like fall. It feels like Halloween. Yeah, and yeah. Then, I dig that they're going to that that whole uh, that whole feel. And then on top of that, there's another cool thing is just down the road over in Sting Alley, which is not normally seen as an area where they put characters. There's right. undeniably a butcher shop. Yeah. And so the <laughs> question is, is it going to be the Meaties characters? Yeah. Sure. Are they going to, like, overlap with this? Is there going to be, like... I, I don't know what they're going to do there, but it yeah. very clearly looks like they're expanding HHN more in some way. Yeah. And the more time that we have to go check it out, the more we'll That's see That's interesting, because I, I thought they were going to put, like, the Horrors of Halloween with the Pumpkin Lord at, the, at that, because it's the biggest scare zone spot. But they're going to put that probably where, where they normally do the pumpkin, the giant pumpkin overgrowth area so actually okay so i'll I'll give you a quick breakdown so okay cool i just walked through the park yesterday sure hollywood area is going to be graveyard deadly unrest that's gonna be the one as soon as we walk in the park on the right hand side got it okay 
Horrors of Halloween with the Pumpkin Lord is the one that's straight ahead as soon as you walk in the park, in between uh. Minions and what was Shrek. They have uh. erected a giant stanchion <laughs> there, and they okay. decorated it with pumpkins staring down, including okay. Lil Boo. So oh. it, they're creating okay. that vibe that's normally yeah. the walkway between between Hollywood and Kids Zone slash Simpsons. Yeah, that area right now is uh-huh. where I think Scarecrow Cursed Soil is going to go. That makes the most sense. It's what's left. They've erected what looks like the outskirts of a barn, and in the description here, it specifically says, "At an abandoned farm, scarecrows yeah. have risen from the crust of the earth." So mm-hmm. I think we're going to walk through a barn That's in that dope. area, <laughs> and then go into the deepest part. Conjure yeah. the Dark looks like it's going to be like Lovecraftian horror. That like, sounds like, cool. like, like Elder Terrors. So yeah. that I think is going to be very cool. That one's over by Fast and the Furious. Okay. Yeah, so that's that one that they had um, last year, the uh, Crypt TV stuff. Yes, that, that, that's about cool. where it's at. They've only got one set piece up, but it's a giant mm-hmm. door attached mm-hmm. to like a stage, and there's a giant cauldron at one end. Yeah, cool. So, I'm interested. I think yeah, the I scare guess... zones look dope. I think the, yeah. all of the scare zones look very exciting. Yeah, there's not one that I'm kind of like not excited for. And normally they like te- the interesting thing is normally they test out an IP in the scare zone that they'll later make into a house, and it's interesting that they're not doing that right now. Yeah, I found that curious as well. Yeah, I think that they're just sticking with their guns and going all out on their own stuff. Yeah, IP stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, what do you think about the, sh- the shows, though? Uh, uh, yeah, let's the talk about the shows real quick. A Halloween tale. On a Halloween night, a ghost story becomes reality as you go beyond the grave in spectacular spooky show on Universal Lagoon. So this is where I'm most curious, because traditionally, they use a lot of IPs in the shows. Yeah. Especially, yeah. like, last year, the one had a ton of, like, the... It had monsters, and it had... Right. Like, just a bunch of the IPs from that year were, were present. Yeah, in, in the show in some way. This year, it does not even appear like that's going to be the case at all. If anything, it feels like it's going to be an original story. And that's kind of awesome. Absolutely. And you know what? You know what's kind of cool about like the aesthetic of like at least the advertising is it almost looks like almost like back to like a an old timey like 1950s feel. Yes. Right. Like yes. we're going back 100%. to like a town and like a farm. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and. So that actually, we'll, we'll touch on the other show real quick, but that is a great segue to get us over to the houses because the other houses all seem to be planted in a place or a time. I think that's an interesting touch. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the, the other show is going to be Halloween Nightmare Fuel Wildfire. I'm just, I'm curious to see how much more fire they have. <laughs> all right, so now we have some specifics of some of these houses a lot of the names that were have been leaked were clearly very accurate spirits of the coven bugs eaten alive fiesta de chupacabras dead man's pier winter's wake and descendants of destruction all of those were dead on accurate yeah. so mm-hmm. it seems like the leak of that t-shirt was 100 percent accurate yeah did anything immediately pop out to you in any of those five um, I mean, looking at the advertisements is the Descendants of Destruction. That looks 
really fucking cool, like going yep. into a subway tunnel. <laughs> yep. It looks that the creepiest. That sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. That one looks like it has a lot of like, uh, you know, it's kind of cool is if they put it in where old, uh, the old earthquake used to be. <laughs> you, it's so funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what Rachel said is the image <laughs> looks like it's straight out of earthquake. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and that subway station is not there anymore because they tore yeah. it down to build Fast and yeah. Furious. But, of course, that's right in the park, obviously. <laughs> but if they were to bring back that aesthetic, that yeah. would be a really cool like homage to yeah the old attraction. On top yeah. of that, I think that it just outright sounds the scariest. When you yeah. listen to us talk about about the different houses, we rank our houses, and I think we both put that one towards the bottom just because we didn't know anything about it any idea yeah and now that we actually can see something about it honestly yeah. it has the chance to be the scariest house yeah He's, yeah i uh, can see that being the case because as I, I look through these like spirits of the coven it's a 1920s flapper speakeasy that seems like yeah. it's aesthetic 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 it yeah. may be scary but it's mostly going to be vibes yeah bugs eating alive we still have very little idea what that's going to be about other than bugs because yeah. it's set in the 1950s specifically though I think it's going to be heavily inspired by them, uh, the 1952 mm. movie. That okay. th- There's also were a couple Universal Monster movies of that era. Tarantula right. was the big one. Okay. There was also a Praying Mantis movie. I think it's like called The Praying Mantis or The Giant Mantis or something. Sure. And so those are the kinds of like sci-fi movies, but those were mostly like cute, kind of weird creature features. They didn't yeah. have a lot of effects yet. It was mostly just like big animatronics, mm. King Kong level animatronics. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I don't know how scary those are going to be. Fiesta de Chupacabra seems pretty cool, but again, it, they're promising it's going to be a bright celebration. So I don't know yeah. if that's going to be more aesthetic again. Like it's going to be like yeah, exactly. extremely well designed. Mm-hmm. And if it has American Werewolf style puppets, creepy. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if it's going to be scary. And Absolutely. then Descendants just seems like it's going to be a horror fest. Yeah. yeah is it, the is Dead it like a house Pier, that it reminds yeah, you of? I mean, I like... It's that, that, the Dead Man's Pier seems like a, the marketing looks like... It, well, Winter's Wake, obviously. So it's going to be that winter house, which is kind of cool. Um, and I wonder if they're going to use similar creatures they've used in the past for uh, those sort of... Uh, like uh, northeastern, New England sort of uh, creatures that they had in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's gonna be like the the fog by the fog. John Carpenter. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because that was what the last one was mostly based on. Yeah. So I, I think that it's gonna be this case here as well. Yeah, I mean, just to see the the cell block, um, the hell block um, horror one because. Mm-hmm. I know here in uh, in Philadelphia that there's been a lot of like outcries about inmate inmate horror. <laughs> and I wonder I wonder how long we're gonna get inmate horror before it gets canceled. <laughs> yeah, and I also have a lot of questions about this one. Like, there's like yeah. seems to be weird markings on the top and bottom underneath the the block. Yeah. It looks like it was supposed to be a different letter entirely. It just says cell block, and they turned it into hell yeah. block. Never mind. Um, <laughs> The font doesn't really give go. much away either. No. Like like the font for horror, I thought was kind of like movie esque, but still yeah. doesn't tell us what kind of horror. 
Exactly. It, it seems like it's just going to be maybe like Assault on Precinct 13, just like inmates trying to get out or get you. There's, sure. It also does mention that there's monstrous creatures. So maybe yeah. almost like maybe like Resident Evil, but like mm-hmm. a ripoff of Resident Evil. Sure. <laughs> like, that's all I can think of. Is, is it was yeah. Resident Evil 3 or 4 where they are in a prison and the monsters mm-hmm. are trying to get in at them? Maybe that's what it's sure, going to be? I don't know. I don't know. You, you recently did a whole ranking, so right? I, I will so... be honest with you. I watched all of the Resident Evil movies in a row, and I could not tell you which one is which because characters were bouncing in and out of them so often. It's so funny. It was so mind numbing, and I did it all in one day. Like I did the oh whole thing gosh. in like, like how many within... hours of Resident Evil is that? I know I did it over, like, a 24-hour window. I think I did five in one day and then three the next morning. I think? Oh I don't even gosh. remember. <laughs> it's a total time suck. Like, <laughs> the only thing you can think of is courage, just the things you do for love. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, I hear you. So did you have any big changes in your opinion about the event based on this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Descent to Destruction is going up, right? Um, that's the big one. It's 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 a trending upward. Um, and I also, I mean, I know it said Winter's Wake, but also Dead Men's Pier probably trends upward as well. I, I'm interested, I mean, I don't know what it is about our freaking generation and the love of the, tw- like, 1920s. Like, it's just like... Oh, well, you know, uh, we're, we're like in, we're in the twenties. It's it's a hundred yeah, years ago. Right. It's a pretty. <laughs> we can look back fondly over those horrible times. Like, <laughs> listen, so... like just because we're also hurtling towards like the apocalyptic <laughs> descent of our culture. Yeah, we can't look back at the golden age of <laughs> prohibition and racism and sexism and be. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't argue with that. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I like the aesthetic of the 1920s. It's interesting, for sure. And I'm interested to see how that sort of plays out with um, with witches. I think, I think honestly, a better monster there is vampires. Like, that's the easy go-to. So we'll see what they do with yeah, uh, witches it, there, right? I was going to say, they've been doing the vamp 55, 85. They could have done yeah. vamp 25. But... <laughs> interested in that but they don't do witches very often i was gonna say they don't do witches enough i think that last year they probably wet their appetite with the kitty cat club as part right. of the house last year that was so cool yeah right that so, that was probably a testing ground for what we're gonna see so that was really cool i loved that one so we'll see yeah so i think that's gonna be the vibe i also mm-hmm. think that gatsby inspired witches seems like it's a fun yeah. idea so it is <laughs> but yes. Yeah. So with that, Ryan, I just want to jump on real quick, give our quick thoughts on the stuff that did release today. Uh, you're now going to listen to our thoughts as of last Perfect. week.
Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. We wanted to make sure that we touched base on one of our favorite events, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Orlando. But then we're also going to be touching on a really cool film. Ryan, what is that film? We're going to go over Satan's Slave. It's an Indonesian horror movie, sort of like a possession sort of demon movie. We'll go over it in our, what is it, 90-second elevator pitch? <laughs> yeah, we'll do that closer to the... We're going to kind of differentiate this into two parts. Yeah. So the first part, we're going to talk about HHN, and then we're going to mm-hmm. go ahead and dive into Satan's Slave. Uh, I'm very excited about this. So let's first talk about the event that you and I both love a lot. Halloween Horror Nights. So Ryan and I have been doing a thing where we go to Halloween Horror Nights because I live in Orlando, and we do it every year around my birthday since, what, 2016, 2017? Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, obviously during COVID we had to skip, but... (laughs) Yeah, that was the one year that I know we skipped for sure, and then there was one other year you could not make it, but... Yeah, that's right, because I went to Korea. Yeah, but since HHN 25, it's been Mm -hmm. something we meet up with every year, and then I'm Mm -hmm. also living in the Orlando area, it's something I will do five or six times a year. So definitely an event that we both really enjoy. Yeah. Let's kind of walk through some of the houses that are available this year. So, so far, we've only actually gotten four announced houses. Mm. Because a lot has been in flux with the event. Obviously, there's still mm. COVID stuff that they have to worry about. Yeah. But we'll get to the what is going to be the 10th house. There's a lot of questions around what that was going to be and what it is going to be. So let's go over the announced ones first. So the most recent one, and the one that probably created the biggest buzz, was the Weekend After Hours Nightmare, themed after the musician. Ryan, Mm -hmm. do you have any relationship to the Weekend and his music? Not really. I mean, um, one of my partners is really into pop, so they would listen to a lot of pop music. So, um... That's pretty much it. But my biggest like time that I ever listened to the weekend or seen the weekend is during the Super Bowl. So. I think that's probably <laughs> most people's exposure to him at the bare minimum. Sure. He's yeah. also in the movie Uncut Gems. But okay. that whole album that he got the Super Bowl off of yeah. was the After Hours album, and it got had it. a lot of like really interesting imagery. The big bright red suits. It was very mm-hmm. much focused on going to Vegas, getting burnt out in Vegas, getting burnt out in mm. L.A., and mm. destroyed by the industry. Interesting. There was a lot of plastic surgery that occurred in the in the music videos that he was making. Uh. Uh. And so in the short clip that we did get for this, we already saw some of those items making their appearances. Uh. Uh, a couple women who seemed to be covered in bandages, a yes. man who was covered in bandages and was, like, flexing yeah. his hands. So it looks like we are going to basically get Vanity Ball, which was one of our scare zones from a few years ago, transposed uh, yeah. with The weekend, and then okay. with his music featured throughout. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I do like the imagery. The imagery that he always has is really just naturally creepy, right? So... It's kind of cool. I don't think we've had like a musician since the Alice Cooper, um, ha- like ha- house, all those all those years ago, many many years ago. Yeah, I've never <laughs> done a house based off of a musician or their music, mm-hmm. and so that's since twenty five. So it's been at least seven years. So yeah. it is something that has been percolating on the edges. There were rumors about Billie Eilish a couple years ago. 
The weekend makes a lot of sense, obviously. Um, the yeah. songs that they over already confirmed are going to be in the house are going to be After Hours, Blinded by the Light, which was obviously a huge pop sensation when mm-hmm. TikTok launched. Uh, yeah. Sa- Save Your Tears, Heartless, Too Late, and In Your Eyes. So those are the okay. six that were confirmed by the Entertainment Weekly article. And again, that's another huge thing about this. So not your favorite song, then. It's not going to be in there. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, the thing to me is that, yes, I would love for him to do some of his cocaine rap stuff, but yeah. that was probably not the most family-friendly. And also, <laughs> yeah. this also did, like, limit the scope a little bit. And it's not yeah. like these songs are, like, positive. Some of them are yeah. pretty upsetting. So I think okay. they do make a lot of sense for this cool. kind of event. I'll have to start listening because I've literally never. I, I mean, I've listened to him that one time during the Super Bowl, but <laughs> that's about it. Well, and that's, that's the other benefit is by limiting it to a single album, you don't have mm-hmm. to dive in and do as much research. You can probably right. get through the entire all six of these if they even all have music videos. Right. None of the music videos can be more than seven minutes long. I know that the mm-hmm. After Hours is like a six minute music video, but it's mostly yeah. just him running through running through the streets of Vegas and getting harassed or sure. getting high. So sure. there's definitely a lot of very interesting imagery that could come into this house. Yeah, so I, I don't think... remember what, what award show it was, but the one where there was an actual fucking helicopter uh, using a spotlight on top of that building, that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And you can maybe cut that <laughs> if you want, but that was, like, the coolest fucking effect. Like... <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's the thing, right? There's, like, a lot we can get out of this. And I think that we right. is such a visual visual-minded storyteller with his music videos that it does lend itself interestingly for this. And when you have Entertainment Weekly covering the announcement of a house, which they don't normally do, when you have his tweet goes live and then he retweets it and it's 150,000 likes, it's almost inarguably the biggest IP they've ever had by accident. That's true. Like, (laughs) it's just more of a global thing that reaches far outside of the genre. And so it's one true. of those things where even though a lot of people originally pushed back and said this is not horror, one, mm. it's not really up to us to determine what is or is not horror. We try our best right. at our sure. podcast to yeah. be open and not gatekeepy about it, and this is a way yeah. to be gatekeepy is to accept something like this and just ride mm-hmm. with it. That's kind of my biggest thing. I just want to ride with this house. Right, and the biggest thing is if it's not, if it's not if we go and it sucks, then we can say we went and it sucked, but like... I think when it comes from a creativity standpoint, you want to allow different things into your world so that there can be innovation. Otherwise, what do we have? Just the same fucking thing over and over again. So Yeah, I 100% agree with that. 1,000%. Yeah. All right, so the next house that got announced was also the Horrors of Blumhouse, which will be I think mm-hmm. the third or fourth iteration of them doing yeah. a mashup house. This mm-hmm. one's going to be based on the 2020 film Freaky, which starred mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn and uh, Catherine Newton. Very as fun well movie. As the 2022 Black Phone, which stars mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke. It was directed by Scott Derrickson and written by C. Robert Gargill. The two of them had mm-hmm. previously collaborated on Sinister and on Doctor Strange, the first one. Cool. So, pretty cool talent involved with this one. Mm-hmm. Do you have a strong opinion about either of these movies, though? Um, I think Freaky's really fun. Um, I really like Vince Vaughn. Um, I like the sort of like gender swap, freaky kind of horror aspect. Like it's it's a interesting movie. Um, and I really liked Black Phone, but Black Phone also is like 
a kid sitting in a basement. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's the whole movie. <laughs> this seems like it's so, going to be our house that's very limited in scope and maybe our smallest yeah. house of the event. I know exactly where they're going to put it, where they put Blumhouse every year. So, so <laughs> interestingly enough, we were going to come back uh-huh. to this later, but we might as well just do it now. Sure. There's not going to be a house back there by Men in Black this year. Wow. And the reason there's not is supposedly there was going to be some construction in that area of the park, and so they did uh, not think they could put a house there and it be safe for guests at the same time. So interesting. they tucked this house, it seems like it's probably going to be this house, Yeah. into the queue line of Fast and the Furious, and they're not going to run yeah. the ride during the event. Instead, we'll get other rides open. Okay. Which, I mean, to be fair, you and I <laughs> did Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Good for anyone that likes it, but no. <laughs> I am a diehard Fast and Furious fan, and I think it is the yes. worst ride in the park. So I'm okay with. I've never seen open. a movie. I've never seen a movie, and it is very confusing. And like, I have no idea what's going on, and I don't know. AJ, as someone that's seen the movies, do you have any idea what's going on? Frankly, not really. It's <laughs> just nonsense. It's a nonsense yeah. ride. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm fine with that being down for the night and instead us using that queue area for a house. Sure. And that also used to be where they had a house. I remember my first year, HHN 25, they had the right. run house in oh, that area of cool the house. Yeah. And so definitely it will be interesting to see if they continue to use it moving forward. But yeah. for now, yeah, we're not we're getting a house in an unusual position for sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be small. but. My point was it's going to be small, and both of these movies, on their own, nothing is visually exciting about either of them. Do you know what I mean? Like The only, the, the only thing I could think of, of either of them is in – there's a scene in Freaky where a character gets frozen to death in, like, a cryogenic yeah. chamber. And, like, that's the only one I can think of. So Gosh, I it's been so long since I've seen that. I don't even remember that. <laughs> I remember that's true. The, the vibes of the movie are awesome. It's by the same person who did yeah. Happy Death Day. You and yeah. I are both fans of that franchise. Yes. yes. So it's a very fun movie, and I definitely would recommend the yeah. movie. Yeah. But as far as an HHN house, it seems like it's probably got a pretty low floor, not a particularly high ceiling. And yeah, and they also – and also as a fan of Blumhouse, they always – like mess it up. Like I really, I really wish that they, they would just do a purge house. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they haven't done a purge and, house since twenty five, and yeah, I, I but would they're say always been bad ever since. Yeah, they're always like purge mixed. It was like purge mixed with freak uh, happy death day, and the purge house, if you remember, was supposed to be scream. Yes. <laughs> and then they just switched it last minute because it was easy to do. So I mean, there were I'm, so many cool things like the the purge. In the city, the the election one, where yeah. the eyes were glowing, like that's that would have been freaky, freaky. And they did. I don't think they did any of that stuff. So <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. So so yeah. So the next house we're going to talk about is Universal Monsters Legends Collide, yes. and it's going to be a mashup house again, but it's going to have the Mummy, the Wolfman, and Dracula all interacting in the same story. There are mm. a lot of details on the internet about the individual experience of this house partially because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like a bigger story and you only get the whole story if you do both coasts uh, which is interesting like doing that is cool halloween horror nights in california and halloween horror nights in orlando you get an extra mm-hmm. idea of what's going on now that's granted that's cool not very many people are going to be able to do that 
No. And so, from what I understand... Well, at least they're not concluding Japan, you know? So. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, that would be impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, the good news is, I believe that the story is going to be self-contained enough, where yeah. you're not going to need to go. Yeah. But if you go, then you just get more of the story. That's cool. So yeah, that, that's, that's cool. pretty cool. And obviously anything yeah. that has Wolfman, Mummy, Dracula, Universal Monsters, we're in. Yes. Like, easy call. Yeah, no, absolutely. Every time we, every time there's a Universal Monster, it's always super fun um, and actually scary. I like the, I like what they do mm-hmm. with those, those, those monsters. Yeah, I would say that the last Monsters house that they did, the full Monsters where it had like all seven of them, that was yep. a top five house, or top three house that year. And last yeah. year, I felt like Bride of Frankenstein was also a top three house. That was so much fun. Especially because we just watched it, too. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's just interesting to have that ability to to still draw back these characters that are 80, 90 years old and still make right. them relevant today. Yeah, although the house, the Bride of Frankenstein, didn't make sense with the movie, but that's okay. Like... <laughs> it was still fun. But that's the other thing, right? Like, What I like about this idea is that it gives them the ability to bring in a quote IP, but then make yeah. it entirely their own. So it really yeah, allows the creative minds to go nuts. Absolutely. The movies are so old, I'm glad they're able to just do whatever. So Exactly. Uh, and then the last IP house that we have heard is Halloween, based on the 1978 film. Not going to be based on the new remakes or the, okay. the uh, continued franchise under sure. David Gordon Green. It's going yeah. to be just the OG movie, which I okay. find interesting. Uh, for a lot of yeah. reasons, just because Michael Myers has been around a lot since yeah, I started like, going. <laughs> yeah. But. He's, he's there almost every other year, <laughs> at least. Yeah, I will say it dawned on me why he had to be at this one, though. This is HHN 31. 31 uh, obviously being the day Halloween occurs. You sure. kind of had to bring him in for this one. And he might go away oh. for a while after this. So. Dude, that's so cool. That's so cool that yeah, because there's no more movies coming out. Um, but that's so cool. Like that makes sense of why it's Halloween themed because it's the 31st uh, yep. <laughs> Halloween uh, Horror Nights. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm excited about that aspect, and hopefully, yeah. and a lot of the merch that we've started to see leak and come out or is already available. Yes. I've already bought Ryan uh, flannel. I already have three house shirts for the Blumhouse. <laughs> For awesome. the Michael Myers and just a general house or just general yeah. general house, uh, shirt right now. That's it's awesome. Cool that those are all available, and it's cool yeah. that we're gonna be able to really like engage with the Halloweeny aspects of Halloween yes. horror nights. Because normally <laughs> the focus is on the horror, but if we focus yeah. it on the Halloween, that's even better. So yeah, absolutely. That kind of opens us up to a lot of unconfirmed houses at this mm-hmm. point, and. This is where some of the leaks, we're going to dive into it a little bit and confirm a few of the houses, it seems, based off the merchandise that is available. So there was a shirt that leaked that had eight houses total on it. Of those eight houses, it had the Blumhouse, it had Universal Monsters, and it had Halloween. The other five houses that were on that shirt were as follows. Fiesta de Chupacabras, Spirits of the Coven, Mm. Dead Man's Pier... Bugs Eaten Alive, and Descendants of Destruction. Mm. Is there any one of those that, like, particularly speaks to you, Ryan? Well, dude, the one that I, I mean, I think the one that's probably going to be the best is probably Dead Men's Pier or Spirit of the Coven. But the mm. one that I'm most interested in is Fiesta of the Chupacabra, because that mm-hmm. sounds super dope. Like, just, you know, with the puppets that they have, but, like, an IP. Yeah. I'm very That's going to be so cool. <laughs> yeah, so apparently there was an American cryptid house 
years ago for uh, La Irona, and I did, that awesome. was the year before I started to go. Sure. And there have been a lot of people pushing for that to become like an annual thing, where yeah. why not embrace American cryptids or just cryptids, cryptids. from around the globe yeah. as part of the event. And so this seems yeah. like they're at least doing it for the Chupacabra. I agree That's with you. I think it could be really cool, and <laughs> yeah. especially with the puppets, because yes. we've seen in previous years with like American uh, Werewolf in London that the yes. puppets can be used to maximize the effects, and a Chupacabra Absolutely. puppet sounds dope as shit. Yeah, and and the American Werewolf in London is probably one of my favorite IP houses just from like the replication of what we saw in the movie being done in a house. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. the movie is insane, and then being able yes. to bring that to life is even crazier. Yeah, you're like walking through that area of London in the house. Like yep. that's so cool. <laughs> There's also like. You had mentioned the Dead Man's Pier. It seems to be alluding to Dead Man's Wharf, which was a scare yep. zone a few years ago, and mm-hmm. the most popular scare zone the year that it was out. Right. It's also kind of based on John Carpenter's The Fog. So oh, it, this cool. think like it's basically Sea Mariners like come back to life. Almost like yeah. one part of the fog, a little bit parts of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. like all the undead like zombies. And right. if they said during winter, that's just even cooler. It's just going to be even yes. creepier and weirder. Absolutely. So, I'm always down for winter houses, even though yes. in Florida it's going to be super hella ass hot. <laughs> it's even better when it's a little chilly in the house. Yeah, I know. It is cool. I think yeah. the other one that I'm really interested in is this Bugs Eating Alive thing. Just because mm. I – and we'll get to it in a second because we're going to do our own like potential rankings, rankings of where we're at yeah. right now. It is so interesting to me that they're even trying something like this. I have no idea yeah. what it's going to look like. Are we going to have right. people as, like, giant praying mantises? It's kind of what comes cool. to mind, right? <laughs> or, yeah. uh, like, centipede monsters that are, like, coming out of the ground or what have you. I think there's a lot yeah. of interesting things that can come from that. And if they're not actively trying to scare us, they could also go full 1950s sci-fi and have, yeah. like, giant ants and, like, have it almost feel like... Yeah. You're in the play area for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, Bugs Eat Live is going to be interesting. The one thing we haven't talked about is, are they going to have a 3D one? And is it going to be Bugs Eating Live? Because those 3D houses are always awful. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. They haven't done a 3D house. I'm trying to remember the last one that I did. I mean, it it may have been the chance. chance. I... Yeah. Oh, God, that was so bad. So Why would they put an icon 3D house? Like... <laughs> HHN 26, and it yeah. wasn't particularly good, and yeah, Mm-mm. we have never had one since, so maybe they'll yeah. keep away from that. Hopefully. Alright, so, it sounds like, oh, and also, I've heard rumblings that the Spirits of the Coven House may be related to the house last year, the Boris Schuster, like, P.I., that, oh. was, that was, like, a great mashup house. That and was an amazing house. Blanking on the name of the actual, I think it was like Case Files Unearthed. Yes. And that yep. was my favorite house last year. So if that was it a ends great up, house. If it ends up being true, I will be over the moon. I just, even yeah. so, Witches in a Coven seems like a yeah. cool idea on its own. No, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see. That one's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited for all the um, o- the original houses. So, And I guess out of the, you know, we'll kind of go over our ranking, but all the IP houses, the one that I'm really excited for is the Universal Monsters. I mean, we've walked through, how many times have we walked through Halloween? Like, do you know what I mean? Like... I was going to say, I know that we, you and I, at bare minimum, have done Halloween 2 and Halloween 4. And yeah. the, the year before I started doing, they did Halloween outright. 
So at least two. I know. And I love Halloween, but like how many times can I walk through that movie? It's I just, you know, and I'm just just saying like (laughs) it's a great point. So there was there's supposedly going to be a 10th house. And this is where things Uh get really sticky is for months. The rumor had been that it was going to be based on Evil Dead Rise which okay. is a film that has been in production since last year yes. and was supposedly about to release. Now, here's where it gets really sticky. So okay. the rumor is that something fell through with the licensing and maybe the IP got pulled and now it's not going to be part of the event at all. And they had mm. to, And what I heard was that they had to rip out all of the things, like the entire house. Mm. I don't know how true that is. But mm. let, let's pretend that that's true. There's a good question of why would they back out at the last second? It's not like Evil Dead hasn't been mm-hmm. in the parks before. In fact, we got Ash vs. Evil Dead, and then HHN 23 also had Evil Dead the, from 2013. Yeah. So this is where it's important for me to note that Evil Dead Rise was being made and is supposed to go straight to HBO Max. Mm. And have you That's been following... Have you been, Following what's going on on the HBO no. Max front? Okay. So no. HBO Max has started to cancel all of the products that were available that were all basically all of the movies that were going straight to HBO Max. They're canceling a bunch of them and writing them off for taxes, which means the oh, movies wow. will never release. The what? biggest one, the biggest one is the Batwoman movie, the Batgirl movie. Oh, God. Which was That's going, horrible. Which is going to be $90 million and was <sighs> basically finished. And they said it's okay, we'll write it off. I mean, they were testing How it are they for doing audiences. That? What is this? Is this a new legislation? This or? is a new thing because essentially what happened was Discovery bought up Warner Brothers because AT and T ran it into the ground. They couldn't afford to keep doing it, and so they put yeah. it for sale. And I'm still unsure what happened. Where Universal didn't just come over and just buy Warner Brothers. That seems right. like a real missed opportunity, right. and would have prevented this exact issue. But yeah, and then it would have given them DC. <laughs> it would have given them DC, and it would have given them, like, It, or The Exorcist, yeah. or all these yeah. other movies that had the license in the past. Yeah. So whatever happened, new leadership at Discovery may have been part of this problem. And mm. my question now is, frankly, I have not heard or seen a single, like, frame of this movie, of this potential movie that's coming out. No. Could it meet the same fate as Batgirl or as the Scooby Doo movie that they canceled? Movies that were finished <laughs> that they just said were not put. Well, out. I think I'm okay with the Scooby Doo movie, but Batgirl is pretty upsetting. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think anytime a creative loses their like ability to make their like they made the movie and then they're just not gonna come out. Uh, that's insane. And so that's gonna be the big question. What so, happens to all the actors too? Because a lot of people get paid on like how well the movie does. And that's even more murky when you talk about a streaming movie, because the reason why a budget goes up to – when the budget goes up to $90 million, part of the reason it's that high is because they don't get residuals on these streaming platforms, so they're paying them up front. Wow. I I, I don't know. I don't get it. Mm -mm. But I I have a feeling, and we may never find out if this is true. This is is pure speculation on my end. Yeah. But it's possible that we never see this movie, period. And then uh, it just becomes a write-off. I hope to God I am wrong. I hope right. I mean, they I did all wrong. the groundwork with the new Evil Dead video game, which is pretty cool. <laughs> it's not yeah. great, but it's cool. <laughs> so then this has also raised what would be going in this 10th house's spot regardless at this point. Mm. 
it seems like a lot of speculation is going around an idea of a house based on a prison. We have had a prison within the the realm of within the lore of HHN, that being yeah. Hellgate Prison. It has shown up at least three times at Halloween Horror Nights. First yeah. time was at HHN fourteen. The second time was Run Blood Sweat and Shears or yeah. Blood Sweat and Fears. I'm sorry. Uh, took mm-hmm. place in Hellgate, and the third one was mm-hmm. last year. They had Scary Carrie. That mm-hmm. house had a section that was dedicated to Hellgate Prison. Right. So they could just simply move that into the spot, and yeah. it would be a quick, easy to build house mm-hmm. comparatively to yeah. if you're gonna have to start from scratch. It would <laughs> yeah, be like plain, plain concrete, fake walls, bars. <laughs> Exactly. And just have, like, a lot of, like, bloody bodies around, right? Like, there's yeah. a way they can make it work. Any was... any word on the um, the scare screens that they had for COVID, whether they're going to be gone or there? It seems like they're going to be gone, but cool. we'll see when we're actually doing the event. I mean, it may depend yeah. on the actual character. Right. That's interesting. So, yep, because I think that it did make last year's event a little less scary. I still felt like yeah, because you could see where they were coming from. Really, that was the biggest issue. Is I wonder if yeah. they, another year, knowing that they may have to have those installed, that they yeah. were able to use them as a almost like a red herring to like throw yeah, like off the, the scent. The, yeah, like a the, the distraction. Exactly. So. That, that that would be how I think they should be using it, but yeah. we'll see. Okay, yep. so that is the. Nine houses that we know for sure, we're ninety nine percent certain on, and then a tenth house. There's still questions about it. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and drop our kind of like our preview ranks. What are you most excited about? Uh, count it down from nine to one, Ryan. So I'm gonna go Dead Man's Dead Man's Wharf, Spirit of the Coven, Fiesta of the Chupacabra, The Masters Collide, Descendants, The Weekend, Bugs, Halloween, and then Blumhouse. All right, and then uh, my list, my number one most anticipated is The Weeknd, then mm-hmm. Dead Man's Wharf, Spirit of the Coven, Monsters Collide, Bugs Eaten Alive, Fiesta de Chupacabra, Halloween, Descendants, and Blumhouse. And really, I'm super excited for everything six and above. Yeah. We've done Halloween. I don't know what Descendants is going to be, but I still think it's going to be yeah. slightly better than Blumhouse. And that's basically <laughs> why I ranked it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and that's not an indictment of those movies, just how they handle Blumhouse every year. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, the movies are great. Watch the movies. Support the creatives yep. who are there. Go do the house, yep. even. But yep. just know it's probably at the lowest floor of any of the houses on this list. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that was a quick check-in for Halloween Horror Nights. We love the event. We're excited to go. We will be there. We're going to be doing a show. Ryan's flying down, and we're going to be doing shows about it in late September so keep mm-hmm. an eye out for it then, so you can hear our official rankings once we've actually done the thing. Woo! And yeah, we may still also have another check-in, maybe like a 10-minute convo, if yeah. some cool breaking news happens or something drastic changes. Like, if they end up like being like, by the way, the fifth IP house is actually going to be Poltergeist again or something like that, we may hop on <laughs> yeah, for a quick huge. talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so with that, we'll take 30 second break, and then we're going to jump into Satan's Slave. Are you serious? Why would you go in there? Don't go in there. Oh, really? Ooh, I guess this is the part where the boogeyman gets me.
Uh-uh. Not real. <laughs> Step into the horror classic, Halloween, only at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. So now we're going to jump into Satan's Slave, which was a 2017 movie directed by Joko M. Anwar. Did I say that right? <laughs> I believe you did. I believe it's Joko Anwar, yeah. Yeah. So do you want to set the timer for the 90 seconds so that I can uh, try to get this movie settled? Yeah, let me go ahead and get that ready for you. Okay. And by the way, before I start this, I do have a little thing down below for you if you need to help. Cool. All right, sounds good. One second, I have to wait for the... Nintendo Switch I had to leave. <laughs> Alright, whatever you're ready. Okay, ready? Hey, go for it, Ryan. Alright, the movie's set in the 80s, and it's in Indonesia, and there's a family, and there's a bedridden woman that is a singer that was the matriarch of the family, and she made all the money for the family. And then the money wasn't really going too well, and they were losing all this money, but the mother was, like, kind of losing her mind a little bit, and then she's, like, doing all this creepy stuff, creepy stuff is happening mom dies they have to like bury mom and then the shit really hits the fan and then there's creepy stuff so there's ghosts there's uh, a creepy deaf kid that does creepy deaf kid stuff the uh, preacher's <laughs> son tries to stop like to stop the to stop the evil things from happening and then he gets brutally murdered and everyone's dying and the aunt falls, falls into the well and all this creepy stuff. And then there's like, there's a ghost in the hall. And that's one of the creepiest scenes I've ever seen. And then they keep going and going. And then, <laughs> and so then they have, they are all this family's panicking. Dad comes back and then everything seems fine, but it's not fine. And then there's sort of an ending that's sort of akin to like Rosemary's Baby. So <laughs> is that a pretty good <laughs> synopsis? Honestly, it's about as much as you could expect out of this. Uh, you did come in under 90 <laughs> seconds, so great job. Woo! There, there, there's a lot that's going on. And Ryan putting the emphasis on the creepy stuff, creepy stuff, I think is actually a great point because this movie is yeah. terrifying. Like this yes. movie actually has some of the highest scare counts I think I've ever felt during a movie. And yeah, it's definitely not something I expected when I started it the first time. I was like, oh, it's yeah. going to be a little weird, or maybe it's going to be like really intense, but it's not going to be yeah. scary. And no, mm -hmm. it is like nightmare-inducing scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the name... Sorry, go ahead. The name obviously should give that away a little bit, but sure. holy shit. Yeah. I mean, that's why I picked this movie. I, I, it's, a it's a movie that's on Shudder, and it's actually really hard to find. On Shudder, you can't just type Satan Slave for some reason. So you have I will to type. Say, I did rewatch it today, and it ended yeah. up working when I typed in the regular okay. name. So I guess they hopefully fixed they this fixed part it. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they fixed it because I um I went to rewatch it and I picked this movie because I was so legitimately scared watching it, and I don't get scared in horror movies. <laughs> and there are scenes in this movie mm -hmm. where I was like holding my breath and my heart was beating because it was so scary like <laughs> so a little bit of context for this and there's some interesting things about indonesian horror that we should also touch upon but oh, cool. it, this is a semi remake but it's mostly a prequel to what oh. was a landmark film in their industry in 1981 it was also called satan slave and mm -hmm. joko anwar who is the director of this film basically says, yes, I want to become a filmmaker after seeing the original version of this movie. So, highly influential within that country and within that sure. region. 
it's one of the first horror movies to ever actively acknowledge Muslim protagonists, which mm. is a big part of why it does have some staying power. It is mm. difficult to get a hold of the original film, though. And yeah. part of the reason it's difficult to get the original copy is because not very long after, uh, Mohammed Serato came into char- mm. came into power, and he mm. basically he became a dictator for many years wow. until the late 90s. And yeah. his like fascist government limited the amount of media that could spread and turned wow. the Indonesian film market from an emerging market in the global like cinema chain and yeah. like, completely cut it off at the knees. So wow. where most people think that they would have a huge, probably very diverse film mm. environment like they like they should, yeah. instead of getting like hundreds of films a year, they get like dozens of films a year now, mm. and that's pretty upsetting. So that is. So it is interesting that the number one Muslim country in the world by population yeah. is also in East Asia, which already has many other yeah. countries that celebrate cinema. And mm-hmm. we may have been deprived of a lot of this by the country actively holding back wow. materials. But people that's like fascinating. but people like Joko Anwar are now pushing to make this culture a huge culture like across the board it's awesome that indonesian horror is seemingly back especially between this and they had the raid a couple years ago two action films Mm. which are okay the top action films ever made arguably wow like indonesian cinema is like back on the map that's really cool so it sounds like the dictator got some sort of indisposed and now <laughs> they're making movies again. Is that fair? It's more or less like a freer country than it was when he was in charge. Yes. Got it. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, there's, you, you get everything. What I think is interesting is that part at the end where you were a little confused about the Rosemary's baby part, that is yeah. an allusion to the original film. Those characters ah. are, are main characters in the original film. From what I understand, it would basically ah. be the equivalent of like Nick Fury walking out and be like, you want to join the <laughs> Avengers Initiative. <laughs> okay, like, so it was like a callback it was that a we callback. didn't understand. <laughs> yes, that we didn't understand because we did not have the context. But that is yeah. what that was. That's awesome. That makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it was also interesting about our timing on this, by the way, is oh. that the sequel just released in theaters in Indonesia. It is the oh. first ever film to release like indonesian film to release an imax within the country wow and supposedly is already breaking all their box office records from what i can tell yeah from what i can tell on the internet it already has broken the record for most opening day moviegoers for a horror film and it's the second largest opening day for an indonesian film ever wow so so we're gonna get it that's, it's coming down the this pipe. This one's <laughs> definitely coming down the pipe. So far, people who have been logging it on Letterboxd, which is basically the most information I could get on it, is a 3.4 wow. out of 5 because it's only released it's in Indonesia. It's yeah. pretty good for horror, exactly. Yeah. And so it's only released in Indonesia and nowhere else yet. So wow. my guess is it's probably going to make the festival circuit next year for horror Got movies. It. Maybe play like Fantastic Fest and stuff like that cool. and eventually make its way into American audiences. Yeah, coming to so Shudder. <laughs> I think it's almost certainly coming to Shudder if they're smart, because yeah. <laughs> they should be pumping this one up. All right, well, so let's get back to the 2017 film. So mm-hmm. what is the thing that scares you the most of this movie? Because there's a lot that scares me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, like, was the scary... I mean, so it's hard to say, because there's so many different aspects that are terrifying, right? So, like, the hallway scene with the quote-unquote ghost is pretty scary. But the dream sequence that, like, turns into real life, and she's basically, like, reliving her dream. Yep. You know what? That was terrifying. (laughs) Both of those scenes are absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> there's the scene where the deaf boy goes to get water, and then there's ghosts right. on the other side, and they try to break through the door. And so you just yeah. see hands leaking through, like it's like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> there's the scene where the girl goes to pray, and she is she's in her Muslim attire to sit down and pray. Because she's told, oh, if you don't pray enough, then of course Satan's going to come for you. And right. then the ghost gets inside of her inside of her apparel like yeah absolutely terrifying the actual yeah. um item that she's wearing is called a, a chador and uh, so the ghost is inside with her and you just keep seeing wow. her trying to pray and the ghost keeps like moving around like oh gosh in coming into camera it's terrifying that is so <laughs> scary <laughs> this movie is honestly one of the most effectively shot horror films i've ever seen in terms of just the actual visuals are just terrifying beyond all belief. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that is not always possible in these movies. But this one just, like, screams at it every single opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. They build this, the suspense perfectly for each scene because you, you kind of know how what's going to happen-ish. But they always, it's, it's a little bit shocking each time. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know how exactly. <laughs> well, and even, like, the cheap scares that would normally, we would write off as just being your, like, random jump scare. The one that right. jumps to my mind is there's, like, a scene where the kid is playing with a viewfinder. And then all of a yes. sudden it's the image of, like, his dead mother. Yes. Like, that's still effective. Yes, Absolutely. That was a good one, and a unique one, right? I've never seen a, a scare like that, right? <laughs> right, it's just like, oh, cool. It's almost like, okay, something is going to happen to this child because he's sitting here yeah. doing this viewfinder. And what right. I find Anwar is really good at doing is, like you said, building that suspense yep. to the point where you know it's coming and it still gets you anyway. Yes. That is some talented filmmaking. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Because you know something's coming, but you actually don't know when it's going to happen almost right like yeah, he almost like overstretches you sometimes and then yeah. the character turns and then boom yeah. the thing happens yeah you, you exactly. thought it was going to happen 10 seconds earlier it, it like gives you a second to yes. breathe and as yeah. you're inhaling that breath he hits you right. with a scare yeah and I, and I would say to our audience really they're not like jump scares like it's like it's like yeah, you see it come it's almost like you see it coming do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's it's a, it's the building of the tension. There's a feeling of anxiety in your whole body. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he does it, a lot with in camera tricks where there'll be a character being like grabbed like telepathically by a ghost that's in, all the way in the background of the scene, but it's like 30 mm-hmm. feet behind the character, and so we can yeah. see it and we can tell the character is distressed. But yeah. then something will happen and the ghost will fly away or whatever, right? Yeah. And that, to me, is he's doing all of these cool effects in camera. Yeah. And he's making up for the fact that the Indonesian budget isn't going to allow him to make this big spectacle that we may get in America. Right. That's the other thing yeah. that I was – so – Yeah, what's the budget? So uh, Anwar basically he – basically, he started pitching this movie 
as soon as he possibly could, he made one romantic comedy and said, I want to make the sequel. I want to make the sequel. I want to make the prequel. Right? Sure. He's like, he's like, I want to make this movie. And people were like, yeah. dude, he's so incessant about this. And they knew <laughs> that it was going to yeah. be a, like a pretty big movie because it's such an iconic film within Indonesia. Sure. And even with all of that, yeah. and his like grand vision for what a remake would look like, yeah. they said, okay, cool, we'll give you the highest budget we can. It was $150,000 US. What? That's, that's, that's like, like nothing. The highest budget that they could have given him. The fact that <laughs> this movie is $150,000 is a miracle. Wow. It looks, yeah. it honestly looks better than most like 10 or $20 million budgeted films. Oh my God. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> the, the that's movie, incredible. The movie that it compares most to for me was the first Conjuring film, except this one is like way scarier. This is actually scarier. Yeah, I would say The Conjuring is is very much a pop horror movie, like if that makes sense. <laughs> and another way of looking at this, Anwar, I mean, it became such a big sensation, not only within Indonesia, but outside. It played in 40 markets, which is huge for an Indonesian wow. film. That's and awesome. It, it made $16 million worldwide. So wow. it is the highest grossing movie in Indonesia <laughs> in 2017. It's <laughs> one of the highest earners. I mean, for costing one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes. Well, what like, is that like? That what is that return on investment? <laughs> yeah, many thousands of percent. Like. Yeah, I know exactly. So it, it, there's a reason why this one like resonated outside the country, and why Ryan and I are seeing it is because yeah. it was a huge hit there, and is now a huge hit worldwide. Sixty million dollars is nothing to sneeze at. The no, other movie that we're but about especially to with talk the budgets like pennies compared to most movies like. Well, right like for example like we're going to talk about the thing later on in this podcast yeah. the thing made 19 million dollars and yes yeah. it was the 80s and life was a little bit different yeah. but it also cost 15 million dollars yeah. so one hundred fifty thousand dollars at earning 16 that's incredible yeah that is incredible absolutely so they basically from what I can tell, there's not a lot of information about the actual making of the movie that we would normally dive into here, but there is mm -hmm. some stuff. So they basically went looking for the house. They couldn't mm -hmm. find it. For two months, they just kept rolling around Indonesia being like, we need to find a better house. They found one. Uh -huh. They're like, eh, maybe. But they moved on and kept going, and eventually they're like, never mind. Just let's go back. We'll go back to that first house. They spent, <laughs> they spent 10 days renovating the house. The wow. total shoot, once they got all the actors on set, was only 18 days. Everybody wow. from the crew just lived in the house. Wow. 18 days. Dude, another thing I have to say as well is, like, these actors are good, too. Very good. Like, I, I would, I would I mean? argue like, that they are very good actors. Yeah, like, every single one of them sells me. There's not, you know, normally in lower budget movies, there's always that one actor that you're just like, Wow. Like, and I would say maybe the deaf kid in this one, maybe, but he was so creepy it didn't matter. I was going like, to say, the way that they end up using him is yeah. is effective. And that, again, yes. speaks to Anwar as a director, that he yes. was able to make a kid both endearing for most of the movie. And, yes. and as Ryan mentioned, the character is a deaf character, so yes. he does not speak very often. And it also allows the characters to communicate via sign language. So it adds another element to the movie that mm -hmm. the film is simultaneously addressing the fact that they're Muslim, that yep. they're not seen as a devout family, and therefore they're susceptible to 
Satan coming into their life, which is yeah. not fair, obviously. Sure. That <laughs> yeah. the person who's leading the family is a character named Rini, who's played by Tara uh, Basro. She's excellent. She's only supposed yes. to be 22 years old in the movie, and she's absolutely astoundingly good at this. Yeah. Yeah. And her dad is like off doing his own things. That's another thing that I loved when I rewatched it is uh-huh. that they explain why the dad is gone is that he has yeah. to go make money so the he family needs... can live, especially after the mother yep. passes away and they're no yep. longer getting her residual checks for yep. her career. And so the family is stuck in the house because their dad's gone and they can't communicate with him. Yes. And so it's just the slightly adult daughter, the son who Tony, who's played by Indy uh, Arfian, um, and yeah. he has to give up his like motorbike. He has to yeah. sell it to pay bills for the mm-hmm. family. That was such a well acted portion too, because he's like, "So can I keep it?" <laughs> like, no. like that's such a kid thing to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Such a well written line. You know. I, I just feel like <laughs> from top to bottom, the cast really shows up and is really yeah. when there's parts of the possession parts, they're very creepy, and also there's just a lot of other just like very well-placed images that puts the actors in the best position to work. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, so another thing about the movie is that by having a female lead, it is more or less playing into what Indonesia expects from their movies. Mm. Apparently a lot of them are female-driven. Uh, Joko huh. points out that most heroes in these movies are women. Villains are also yeah. usually female. Female characters yeah. could suffer repression initially, and then it would allows mm. allows them to quote transform into badass ladies. <laughs> and that's, that's definitely in play in this movie. That Absolutely. I find it, especially in the second watch, I realized yeah. that there's this undercurrent throughout the movie of the family being seen as not good Muslims and not good mm-hmm. followers of Islam, and so. Mm-hmm. The character, the role is officially known as a, as an ustad, which mm. I believe means they're like a local priest or a mm. local figure of the church, Got and it. he basically keeps telling them you're not doing enough. Well, he also ends up becoming one of the victims, and he mm-hmm. literally gets stabbed to death. Yeah, where, where the rest of the family does a lot to survive. And that's one of the other interesting things is the core family, other than the mother who passes away at the beginning of the movie, the rest of the family survives this movie. And I think that's an important thing to know. Well, while it may decrease, that's interesting. Yeah. It may decrease your scares a little bit. It doesn't mean it's not scary. No. And I think the interesting thing too, is, is that you the point you're, you're making there is, is the, the preacher's son who was not as religious, right? Yep. Um, he's kind of like the the white knight ish kind of character, and he ends mm-hmm. up go dying, right? So yeah. Um, and then on top of that, the um, he says to them like, it, "It can't get you if you stay to if your family stays together." It's it's kind of like if you're Fast and the Furious movies. It's a movie about family. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> There's also. A cool touch that they do in this movie that it also speaks to the reason why the family is being haunted. And we didn't really get into this too much in the description. The reason the family is being haunted is because the mother to become a recording artist and to Mm. become a mother because she had a lot of issues with fertility. 
she right. joins a cult. And yes. the cult says, okay, well, when your youngest child hits seven, we're going to go ahead mm-hmm. and take that child. And that's going to mm-hmm. be our child. And you won't have say anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. And so she's able to start having children. It's the only way that she's able to convince her husband to marry her because he is concerned about passing on his lineage. And yeah. his mother is also starkly against it. His mother kind of oversees most of this movie in a grandmother role. She has passed away uh-huh. as well during the film. Uh-huh. But so when you look at the ages of the characters, Remy, the oldest daughter, is 22. Then the younger brother is 16. The The eldest yeah. brother is 16, so six-year age gap. The next one yeah. is Bondi. He's 10, a six-year age gap. So she is mm-hmm. intended to keep having kids every seven years so that she would yeah. never have to pay up. So it kind yeah. of also changes your perspective on the mom from being yeah. somebody who is selfish to being mm-hmm. somebody who genuinely loved her family. And yeah. it isn't until she is stricken with illness and dies that mm-hmm. her the family ever actually comes into danger. No, absolutely. And the whole I found movie that interesting. At, yeah, and at the beginning of the movie, you think something's wrong with mom, right? You think something is like possessing mom and is yep. evil about mom. And in reality, mom's trying to save them the whole time. You know? <laughs> and she's trying to warn them of this presence that's coming for um their kid. Exactly. And I mean, yes, she still is the person who made the deal, and yes. <laughs> her ghost ends up being the one of the many specters that haunts them, so yes. you still get the shit scared out of you by her ghost. But yes. there's also like this interesting layer of love, mm-hmm. and on top of that, you also consider the fact that it's somebody who was willing to do everything they could to even have the opportunity to become a mother that it was that important within this culture, it becomes an in- another interesting critique against religion and yeah. against the culture within the film. And I think that's part of the reason why it resonates for so many people. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's fascinating. Yeah, I appreciate that piece. Because there is so much uh, religious... There is so much religious symbolism. Like, not symbolism, but, you know, overt religiousness in the movie. And I like your your take on it that there's a bit of this pushback against religion in it. I, I sort of like didn't get involved in it, like whether it's pro or con religion, because I just don't know. I don't understand. I feel like I don't understand the culture close enough. And that's, that's pretty fair. Cool. Yeah. That, that, that's a fair yeah. take too, because if you're not somebody who is part of the Muslim community, then yeah. you're not understanding everything that's going on. And I will admit there, I am sure there are shades of nuance in this story that I do not fully relate to. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Then, oh, what? You mean the two white guys can't understand every <laughs> nuance? Of a foreign film? Like... Yeah, a foreign film based in Indonesia? No. <laughs> yeah, and don't, and I, I will say, if you can help yourself, don't watch the dub version. The dub version is so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't even, I haven't even bothered with the dub version. <laughs> I wanted to rewatch it for our awards while I was doing something else, so because I've seen it twice already. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move kind of in that direction. So, first of all, before we get to our awards, this film did pick up some of its own. It won the Feature Film Jury Award at the Overlook Film Festival, which is a pretty oh. cool horror festival that takes place in New oh. Orleans. One that oh. maybe Ryan and I will try to push to cover in person in a few years. Sure. Yeah, that'd be fun. Another one, the Toronto After Dark. It was the winner for Scary Film and Best Horror. So, again, mm. that's an awesome little prize for to yeah. pick up. Back Home in Indonesia, it actually set a near record with 13 nominations at the Citro wow. Awards, which is the equivalent wow. of their Oscars. Now, wow. it got 13 there, 
Anwar's follow-up film, um, in Pentagore, which we may now have to watch, got 17 yeah. nominations. Dang. So, Did that actually set the record? <laughs> I, be- I believe it set the record at the time. I believe it's since cool. been broken again, but oh, wow. it still yeah. puts Anwar in pretty elite territory. Uh, no, it was just... nominated for Best Director. He ended up losing to a director named Edwin, who actually okay. shot like a really cool movie that I saw last year at the Toronto Film Festival called oh. Vengeance is Mine, All Others okay. Pay Cash. So okay. <laughs> very very That's cool an amazing name. title. It's like it's like the ultimate movie that makes fun of machismo and it's also like very about cool. like fighters. It's cool. It's awesome. That is cool. Okay. Now the movie did win Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound, yeah. Best Score, Best Production Design, Best Theme Song, and it won for Child Actor. Ah. So, Who won the Child Actor Award? Uh, I believe it was the younger of the two. I believe it was Adyat, but let me confirm that. Can you think of any other big things this should have... I mean, is this the kind of movie that you think should be nominated towards the Oscars or at least maybe, like, the American Satellite Awards? Yeah, something in the film festivals, right? I mean, it did get the two with the Overlook Film Festival mm-hmm. and um, Toronto After Dark, right? But you, you just, you, you'd wish that there would be a bigger push um, in more festivals that, that got to look at it, you know, because... Like you said, it's so beautifully shot, and it's so – I don't know. Like you said, there's a lot of universal themes of family and fertility and motherhood and, you know, and what it what it means to be religious, not religious. All these things are in it. These are all things that are very human, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as far as um, – I'm double-checking. It does not look like it played Sundance in 2018, which I think would uh, have been a great place for it to have played. Oh, absolutely, Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, when it premiered in America during 2018, it was at the uh, – well, technically it played a screening at in the Hawaii Film Festival in 2017 mm-hmm. and then made its way over to the Overlook Film Festival in April of 2018. So, yep, definitely could have been a bigger player on that front in America. Um, cool. Yeah, and it was Mr. Uh, Adyat was the person who won Best Young Performer. It wasn't a child performer, it was a young performer. My bad. Got it, cool. It's okay. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our awards. So first up, let's go ahead and talk about the best kill in the film. Uh, I have four nominees for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's the Ustad, who gets stabbed to death by the uh, Pokong. Now, Pokongs are ghosts that are covered in shawls. So Mm. think of it like a weeping woman or a Lairona kind of design. Um, And they chase some of the people into the house. But... Yeah. There's the Ustad. There's Hendra, who is the Ustad's son, who mm-hmm. gets hit by a car and dragged underneath the car. It is yes. pretty violent. There's yes. the <laughs> grandmother, who has the drowning incident. We do not yep. see her pass away on screen. Right. We see her body in a well. Mm-hmm. And then last is the mother. When she does pass away, it is during a double nightmare sequence, yeah. where the daughter lives through a nightmare and then yeah. has to live through the thing in real life. Yeah. So, which one so, of those was your best quote, kill? So, for me, watching it, the kill is the the guy is Hendra getting hit by the car. It, like it, that it is such a be. brutal kill. Yeah. Like, I would agree. Sequence, with you. mother double nightmare. That's a better sequence. Well, and here's <laughs> the thing: is I question whether the mother is actually like being killed by the entity, right. or is, if it's just her time. Yeah, like exactly. Because the way that it does it is what I think is really interesting is that. Anwar follows the daughter back into the room, and the scene replays exactly the same, except when the daughter goes to look at the bed, 
the second time the mother's not in the bed and she but what's cool is the camera moves so we can see her point of view Yes. As if we expect the mother to be there, and then she's not. And you're like, oh, cool, sigh of relief. And when the camera goes yeah. back to the mom, she's, like, turned around and got a horrible face on. Like, it is terrifying. Yeah. It's actually scarier than the last yes. one was. That, than, the, than the nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it, it's also real, because the mother passes yes. away. So, while I think that is probably the best death sequence, it's not yeah. what I would consider a kill. And so, I mm-hmm. agree. Hendra getting hit by the car is the one. God. And they didn't show it because they obviously didn't have the budget, but they showed enough where you're just like, dude, that's horrible. Like, <laughs> I mean, you see, his, you see his face hit asphalt and blood yeah, splatter. Yeah, and drag. Like, yeah, and it's drag. pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the Marion Crane Gone Too Soon Award. Uh, I got Hendra uh-huh. on the list. He is literally yeah. just trying to ride his bike back to the family to give them a message. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got Ian, the youngest boy in the family, the one who does end up getting. Uh, taken at the end of the movie. We didn't really spoil yes. that part, but he does. And then there's the grandmother. Would any of these guys qualify for the Gone Too Soon? Uh, I think it's kind of tough. I think everyone went when they were supposed to. Um, the only one you wish would have lived longer because he was such a good guy was Hendra, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's. I think it's a tough award because no one is a Marion Crane in this movie, but I think that Hendra... Uh, probably wins it for this 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 movie. I mean, part of me says like maybe the seven year old doesn't necessarily need to get taken by ghosts. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> at the same time, well, I don't know if you caught this. He's he's the devil. Well, right. The devil's and that's child. the thing is we find out late in the movie that he's actually the devil's son. That he's not. Yeah. He's not like that. He's kid at all. not a human born creature at all. Is that yeah. the fertility goddesses basically said, okay, here, we see what you're doing. We're just going to give you Satan's son now, and then you're going to die <laughs> before you have another yeah. one. Exactly. So, so yeah, pretty yeah so fuck Ian for bringing about the apocalypse, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> All right, uh, the Tom Savini best effect of the movie. There's a lot of scenes in this movie where characters get pulled by invisible forces, and so it makes you feel bad for them and obviously try to, like, or want, want to help them. And you see it happening. It's creepy every time. And for them to pull it off on a $150,000 budget, which is basically, that means that there's wiring that we're not seeing to pull the characters. Yeah. That's pretty cool. The yeah. hallway ghost. That's the one. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. terrifying. But I will also Please. throw in, as an extra effect, the use of sound for the bells after the mother's death. Yeah. I think that's also something in play but what would you say would be your favorite effect? yeah i guess with such a low budget the effects are not what we would normally expect effect wise um when it comes to the effects i mean the hallway ghost is not a very complicated effect but it's so scary like that scene is so scary but it goes back to it goes back to if we were watching this movie in america you know there's right. probably somebody standing there with a green suit on yes to give the green screen effect right yes in this film, with such a limited budget, I don't think that's how they did it. I don't know how they did it, if that wasn't the case. And the way that they build up the suspense is it's the two children, after going pee, start walking down the hallway, and the deaf one says to his brother, hey, scary. And you don't see yeah. anything at the end of the hall. And they're just walking down the hall, and then they're almost at the end of the hall, staring at this portrait, and then the little brother goes grows. to throw the port. He, he tries to cover the portrait. <laughs> yes, he tries to cover the portrait, and there's a ghost standing there. And so yeah. the, it just falls over the ghost. So it's yeah. also using traditional ghost imagery. 
Yes. Like, 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 like the sheet over the Because it literally ghost. looks like a sheeted ghost. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so, again, brilliant. And it scared the shit yeah. out of me. It was so scary. That scene is so scary. And then the ghost chases them. Yes. Like, <laughs> the like full-on chases, chases them. Like, Scooby-Doo sheeted ghost chasing his children. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. Terrifying shit. It's actually scary. That does not sound like a scary description, but it is very scary. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just give this award to the Hallway Ghost. They yeah. win the, uh, which does open us up a little bit on the next award, which is the scaredest shit moment of the week. Uh, <laughs> all right. We've got the Dream Bells Double Nightmare. We've got the Hallway yeah. Scare. We've got the cult surrounding the house. We've yeah. got the Pokong, again, the spirits, Jeez. arrival, where they're all outside staring at this family we've yeah. got zombie hands opening a door we've got yeah. Rini getting attacked while wearing her chador after the grandmother dies the wheelchair gets thrown across yeah. the room dude and, so, and the yeah. wheelchair just flies through the sky yeah. aj's like laughing because like normally when you have a scared shit moment like it's like two or three and these are all legitimately scary moments like... and i didn't even bring up the last one which i think yeah. you heard us quote at the beginning of the episode the comb my hair spirit comb my, Tony. Comb my hair. <laughs> so, fun fact. So the funny thing about that one is I just send I just send random voice memos to AJ randomly just yelling comb my hair. <laughs> and for some reason I don't realize he's doing it every single time. <laughs> so I mean the hallway is scare it just won but that one is terrifying and I think the other one that's really is the double nightmare that sequence is such a I, I've never seen a sequence like that. You, you know what I mean? Where she almost has, like, a premonition of this happening. You know what I, I mean? That's so cool. What I think is so good about it is that the first scene itself is scary. Yeah. And so you're already like, oh, God, thank God it was only a nightmare. And then immediately yeah. the bell starts ringing again, so she gets up. And it's scarier! <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, I already saw this. I already saw this. It's basically, he just, like, took the scene and was like, hey, uh, cut that, rewind it, we're gonna do it a second time, just to make sure. It's like yeah. when when you see, like, a home run in baseball, and it's like a 500 yeah. home run, and they're like, let's put this on replay. <laughs> it, it really is that good, so. Yeah, yeah. it is. Absolutely. All right, what do so you think? I, I think let's go with the double nightmare. I think it's such right, a standout cool. scene, and we already gave the yep. award to the other hallway scare. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, biggest regret. You've got uh, Bahri, who is the dad. Uh, does he regret okay. most of what's come, going on in this house? I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. Ustad. Um, to be yeah. fair, I'm going to also say that they're the only two people who deserve the biggest regret nomination, because right. the other characters are just kind of here. They don't regret yeah. anything. Right. And then I would also say they both are the only nominees for the most overconfident because Bahri's yeah. like, hey, I'm just going to go work for a few weeks. You guys got this, right, children? <laughs> right, so children. Also <laughs> most overconfident. And then the right. Ustad is like, yeah, my religion is going to protect me no matter what. If you believe in God, yeah, I'm good. And yeah. uh, instead he gets stabbed to death by ghosts. So... Yeah. I uh, I think I think we gave the kill too. For, so we'll do we'll do the biggest regret. The biggest regret is um, probably Bari for leaving his family and like yep. having ho- all these horrible things happen. Yep. But the biggest one for the Kurt Vonnegut most overconfident, uh, the one we're not considering is um, Hendra too, right? Like, also true. Suave, That's a, a great point. I didn't think about him as and, overconfident. And if we're gonna give it to Kurt Vaughn, he dies on a bike. Dude. Oh, oh! <laughs> you know what? I think you got it. I think you got it. 
<laughs> yeah, so. that's definitely it. All right. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, what is the Norman Bates moment of the movie where the whole movie turns and changes? Right. There's one, the meeting the occult leader. There's two, the double nightmare. Uh, mm-hmm. Three, the return of the Pokong. So after mm-hmm. we believe that they've taken Ian, we're all set. The Pokong then attack the house. So yeah. to kill the rest of the family. Uh, four, mm-hmm. there's the talking to my friends, which Ian says to his slightly older brother. And then right. it cuts back to the window and there's ghosts in the oh, fucking dude. window. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> and then their mm-hmm. last one is the mom has a baby every seven years discussion. So, yeah, there's so many twists in this movie once you lay it out like that. Like, right? Like, right. So, by the way, the, um, the meeting the occult leader, it's not a, they don't meet the occult leader, per se. It's like right. they meet the guy who's investigating yeah. this occult group. Yeah. He's like an occult, an occultic investigator. That's a better way of phrasing basically. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I worded it poorly on this Google Doc. It's all good. Um, I think... I mean, the double nightmare, you still don't know what's going on. The return of the Pokong is, like, literally shit hits the fan. It's at the but very end think, of the movie, too. Yeah, and I think I think talking to my friends also. What do you think? For me, it's between talking to my friends or the seven every seven years discussion. So I think, I think it's the every seven years discussion, because that's when yeah. the brother realizes that not only were they all protected by their mother, so it gives yeah. her something of a redeeming moment, but he also yeah. realizes that Satan is the father of the last child. Yes, and that's like that is definitely the Norman Bates movie portion. Yeah, and because <laughs> then it is immediately followed. Like I think the very next scene is the talking to my friend scene. So we just yeah. hear that the baby, the baby of the family, might be like Satan's child, and then yeah. he affirms it. Like yeah. it, it's kind of like a one-two punch. It, yeah, it all happens absolutely. within like ninety seconds of each other. Absolutely. All right. So I, I think I think that you're right. I think it's the every seven years. Um, icon feedback. So Walter Cha, who is a renowned critic, who's currently an Asian American critic living in America, mm. he cool. writes at Decider, and he's written a bunch of different places. He also contributed to the Netflix. Um, there's a there's a series produced by David Fincher, and the name is escaping me right now. It's almost like Voyeur. Mm-hmm. And it's via O I R. And he did an essay for David Fincher's thing about film criticism and about movies that mattered to him. So mm. pretty big critic right now. He said, Satan's Slaves is technically proficient, beautifully shot and edited, and scored with heat. But it's also a thoroughly modern film about the heroism of a young woman standing firm in the face of unspeakable horrors. I can't yeah. think of a better way to describe the movie. That is a great movie. That's better than my 90-second like pitch. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I don't sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. H is like, I will neither confirm or deny any of that. Like, <laughs> he is a professional critic, though, so it's... Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Go and to the last one. The last one's going to be our Mandy Award, who won the movie. They're kind of the same yeah. award. It's got to be Joko Anwar. He may right. have bigger highs later in his career, but this is the right. moment that unlocks his entire career for him. He, like we said... Absolutely. He made a couple horror movies, and he made rom-coms before. This is the thing mm-hmm. that means he can do whatever he wants now. Right. Absolutely. I also gave I the runner-up status to uh, Tara as Rini okay. because her performance is amazing. It honestly yes. does help unlock the movie in a huge way. Absolutely. Yeah, you can feel that, like, need to... 
that terrified that terrified feeling of having to run a family as like a new adult right exactly, you can like right. feel that you can feel that it's not just the fear of everything horrible going on it's the fear of like you get that feeling of like i'm like 22 trying to run a family and all this shit's going on and everyone's looking for me as like the leader <laughs> yeah, such and, a good job. and the grandmother dies while the dad's gone so she has to deal with right. that whole thing exactly. so there's just a lot going on for this family already and yeah. like you said it's just a very difficult situation to put her in yep absolutely Cool, cool. All right, so with that, that is Satan's Slave. Thank you guys for checking us out and checking out both both this episode on Satan's Slave and our HHN content. We hope to bring yeah. you guys some more stuff over the next few weeks. We have a lot in our backlog. Uh, and then in the next couple of weeks, you'll also get an episode on May, the 2002 mm-hmm. film, as well as an episode on Scream, the 2022 version. Woo. Uh, Ryan, where can they find you? You can find me at Keep It Spooky 09 on Twitter. And you can find, you? find me at the Alan French on Twitter, as well as Letterboxd. We also have a brand new website. It is now Woo! Sunshine State Cineplex. It is no longer we bought a blog. We are moving mm-hmm. on to slightly different pastures and keeping all the all the same content that you love, but we feel like this is a better name for us as a group, yeah. and considering that most of us are in Florida and Ryan has ties to mm-hmm. Florida, that yep. it still is a good name. So check us yeah, out absolutely. at Sunstate Cineplex on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Great. So with that, I'm AJ. And I'm Ryan. Keep it spooky. Peace out, guys. Mm-hmm.